welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Praise God. Let's give my grandfather another hand. He's your grandfather too. All right. Well, how are you doing? Are you learning? I want to continue a little bit with what we were talking about just now and also with what we were talking about this morning about seeing. I want you to see seed time and harvest in a new light. I want you to see it differently, okay? And I want you to have understandings. Are we still here? Are you okay? Do you need to stand up? Okay, all right. I won't make you stand up then. All right, let's start with this. This is a good illustration. This is something we can see. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3. It says that when the clouds are full, that it's going to rain. And wherever a tree falls, oh, read it here. And if a tree falls to the south or the north, uh, in the place where the tree falls, that is where it's going to remain. All right, interesting verse, right? Hey, good verse for the year, right? So, now what does this have to do with our lives? Well, it has to do with this, for starters. Trees don't just fall in any direction. They fall on purpose in a certain direction. And when they fall, the Word of God says that they're going to stay there. Now, I've cut down some trees in Texas. And one of the first things that you have to learn how to do when you cut down a tree is you have to put notches in the tree to ensure that it starts moving in the direction that you want it to go. Because once it starts falling, good luck trying to get it to change direction. And once it's fallen, it's going to be a long day trying to get it moved, right? Now, here's the parallel. A lot of us have a picture of where we want our lives to land. We want to land in a place of fulfilled purpose, a place with happy families, healthy and a place of abundance, a place of the fullness of God's potential being released in our lives. We have a picture of the place we want our lives to land, but we don't always consider the notches that we have to put into the tree of our life to see our life begin to move and accelerate in that direction. Am I making sense? One of the greatest notches that you can put into the tree of your life has got to do with your finances. It has to do with you tithing. It has to do with you getting an understanding of seed time and harvest. Really, so much in your life hinges on what happens at offering time. I can tell you're excited by how silent you are, right? See, truly, everything, even not just in your, in your life in the natural, but even your spiritual life rises and falls. Your relationship with the Lord is seen and directed by what happens at the offering time. Say, Jason, that's a pretty bold thing to say. Well, hold on. Now, let's, let's just consider a few things. Because there seems to be a direct line between the heart of God and our heart towards our relationship. I'm going to say it this way. Our relationship to our possessions and our things. Take a, take a for instance. In Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist is baptizing people. He says, all right, I want you to be baptized Because the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. And then he says this. He says, I want you to bear fruit in accordance with repentance. And they say this. The people say, what does that fruit look like? What does the fruit of true repentance? 
And John the Baptist does not say, well, you need to have a 24-hour prayer service. Now, those are good, but he didn't say that. He didn't say, let's do an all-night worship. He didn't say that. Those are good, but he didn't say that. John the Baptist, with only being asked, what should we do to bear fruit in accordance with repentance, immediately begins to talk about people's possessions and their things. The first thing he says is, if you have two tunics and you see someone with, without one, give them one. If you have food and you see someone without some food, give it to them. He says, tax collectors, don't, don't, don't steal money from people. He says, soldiers, be content with your wages and don't extort people. See, our relationship to our possessions and money is so close to the heart of God that John couldn't talk about repentance without addressing our things and our relationship to our stuff. Okay, let me push it further. You okay? Can I push it? Luke 19, we see Zacchaeus. Right here's Zacchaeus. He has an encounter with Jesus. He comes out and he says, you know what? I'm going to give away half of my wealth. And if I've cheated anyone, I'm going to give them back four times what I've cheated them. And Jesus does not say, wow, what a great guy. Let's all give it up for Zacchaeus. No, Jesus says something very interesting. He says, salvation has come to this house today. He says today he has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Oh, that's so pregnant with meaning. Are you catching this? Are you catching this? Jesus judged the reality of the change in Zacchaeus' heart by what he did with his money. All right, you want to get, all right, I can see we're already a little bit uncomfortable. We might as well go further. You want to get more uncomfortable? I love it. See, there's a reason that the enemy pushes so hard against this message. Because everything rides on it. Everything hinges on this message. All right. Let me, let, let me give you a couple verses on why everything hinges on this. Okay. Luke 12, 34. Jesus says, where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. Right? Now, could it be... That the enemy is pushing against this message of seed time and harvest. Not because he's trying to cancel, simply just cancel your financial harvest. But because he's trying to limit your heart and your intimacy with God. You didn't hear what I said. If where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If the enemy can keep your treasure out of the offering plate and out of the kingdom. He can keep your heart at a distance from God. Are you seeing that? Everything rises and falls on what's happening at offering time. But we get so caught up and we think, well, they're just trying to raise money. They're trying to keep the lights on. God bless them. No, this is about you and your level of intimacy with the Lord. Okay, how about this verse? How about Luke 16, 11 in the New Living Translation? I love it. It says, if you cannot be trusted with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? The true riches of heaven. Are you seeing this? So if we fumble the play every time money's involved, the enemy knows he doesn't have to worry about us. Because we'll never handle the true riches. See, what happens at offering time, I know we think it's a secret, right? You say, I'm not, I don't even fill out my envelope. I just go up here with cash and it's just it's a secret, me and the Lord. No, all of the spirit realm is watching what you're doing. Okay? 
And what you do at offering time is informing the entire spirit realm of your capacity to grow in stewardship and in sonship. Did you catch that? It's right there in the book. But we get so caught up about pieces of paper with dead presidents on them. We say, I can't let this go. And God's saying, if you can't handle this, how are you going to handle the true riches of heaven? Oh, my goodness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, we are called, we should be regarded as ministers of Christ and stewards of the money of God. No, it says stewards of the mysteries of God. Are you seeing this? We're supposed to be stewarding the mysteries of God. We're supposed to be handling the true riches of heaven. The money of God, that's the bottom rung on the ladder. Tithes and offerings, you, you responding to God in obedience at offering time? Man, this, this is God's management training program. If he can trust you with the money, he can trust you with the mysteries. Oh my goodness. Am I making sense? Making sense? Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon, right? It's the only thing he says you can't serve one or the other. He draws it out very clear. You cannot serve God and mammon. You'll either love one, hate the other, vice versa, right? Every time we have an opportunity to either hold up God's money or hand over God's money in obedience, it's continually a barometer of where our trust and our loyalty lies. Are you seeing that? Okay, can I push it further? Are you okay? The beginning of this is very, very top-heavy, but we're going to have fun in a minute, okay? Are you learning anything? I don't know if you're ready for this. Okay. Couple, all right, what, what, what did we already look at? We looked at a couple of things. Where your treasure is, your heart is. If you can't handle money, you can't handle the true riches of heaven. We're called to steward the mysteries of God. Now take a look at this. Take a look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. Now this is, this is in the context of an offering. This is Paul responding to the Philippians. These people have been supporting him time and again. And, and Paul says, no other church has partnered with me in giving and receiving, but you only. He didn't just say giving, but that's another message. He said giving and receiving. Okay, watch this verse. He says, not that I seek the gift. He's saying, not that I seek the offering from you, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Okay, now what do we often preach? It preaches good that we have that account in heaven and we're storing it up, right? We've got stacks in heaven of blessings. Now that's true, There's, there is a reward in heaven. But what's interesting about this particular verse is that word account is the word logos. Logos is the word word. So he says, not that I desire your gift, but I desire the fruit that would abound to your words. Because, oh my goodness, because the word is seed, but your finances are seed also. And when these two things come together, no, you're not, you're not getting it. Okay, I'll back off. Paul says, it's not that I'm desiring to get something from you, but I'm desiring to get something to you. I'm desiring to see fruit, to see power abound to your words. Now, if you go search the scripture out, you're going to see that oftentimes, where there's a miracle, you'll see a gift that's been planted before that miracle took place. 
that that giving is seed in the ground, and then it's matched with a request, it's matched with prayer and with a word, and then we see a release. Wait a minute, we got a lot of theologians in here, right? Got pretty quiet right there. Okay, maybe not. No, we are, okay? We all study the word of God, right? One of the great miracles was when God spoke and said, let there be light, right? The power of the word. Where was the offering? Right, I just told you that there's oftentimes you see the offering before you ever see the power of the word activated. Well, we get all the... Are you ready? Are you okay? You get all the way into the book of Revelation. And the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. See, God had seed in the ground before he ever spoke the word, let there be light. Because there was fruit abounding to his words because he had seed in the ground. Are you beginning to see everything rises and falls on what happens at offering time? Will we just reduce it? Oh, they're trying to get a little money from me. No. God is trying to equip you and get something to you. The fruit that abounds to your words. I'm going to take another moment on this because this is great. Now, remember the first verse I read, Ecclesiastes 11.3? It said, when the clouds are full, it will rain. Where do clouds come from? All right, you're a little bit of a science class here. Precipitation. Precipitation is when moisture goes up. And a cloud forms whenever it's got nowhere to go. Now, this is interesting. In, in big buildings, my grandpa's seen this. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, large stadiums, they have to put special humidifiers and dehumidifiers in the room. Because if they don't, the shouting from everyone, it will go up and form a cloud. And it will start to rain. Raining inside. Because the precipitation, that's why singers, you know this, Monday morning you get a headache. Why? Because when you're speaking, there's water coming out. There's precipitation. It's dehydrating for you to be speaking. So here's the question. What fills up the clouds? Your words. Oh, my goodness. Are you getting this? Your words are filling up the clouds. Nothing leaves heaven until something leaves earth. Oh, my goodness. All right, y'all, I'm excited. I'm preaching myself happy, as my grandfather would say. All right, let's go a little bit further, because I want you to see this. Now, let's look, at, let's look at this thing of seed time and harvest. Let's see where it starts, let's see where it goes, and, and then we'll see how much time we have, okay? The first time we see seed time and harvest in Scripture is Genesis 8.22, and we saw Bishop... If you're on social media, I saw you preaching this. It was good. It says that as long as the earth remains, Genesis 8:22, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Now, a lot of times we sleep on, on what is being put out here because there's a powerful truth here. For one, seed time and harvest is never going to cease, right? It's going to continue to be in the earth as it is today. But here's the other thing. That we just read right over. Seed time and harvest shall not cease. See, this morning you said we could only have three harvests. See, in the natural, if you're sowing seed, you can only have two or three harvests depending on what you're sowing. But in the kingdom, seed time and harvest doesn't cease. 
so you can have a harvest every day because you can sow every day. You can have as many harvests as you want because it will not cease. Seed time and harvest will not cease. So God gives us this truth, and then we see Jesus pick it up in Mark chapter 4, Matthew 13, and Luke 8. That's the parable of the sower, right? My grandpa just broke that down. Then we see this. He says the sower sows the word, and this is great. You taught me this. Everything I'm sharing, my grandpa has taught me, okay? He has spoke so much. He's, he's forgotten what he's already taught me. It's beautiful because then he gives me credit for it. <laughs> but it's really coming from him, okay? He, watch this. He said whenever we come up here and someone is unpacking the word of God to you, that it is, it is like a sower sowing seed. Now, that is so literal. Do you notice how they always put chairs like this in rows in a, in a church? It's just like a farmer. They start farming in rows. Oh, my goodness. He's taking care of you. Oh, my goodness. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's all through the book. Okay. I got I to gotta keep moving. You Okay. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. The sower is the one who's sowing the word. Then Jesus takes it a little bit further. In Luke 6, 38, he says, if we give, it will be given back to us. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. With the same measure that we give, it will be measured back to us, right? And then I love when people say, that scripture is not about money. Okay, but it's not not about money. The scripture right above this is talking about mercy and judgment. Okay, so if you give mercy, if you give judgment, you're going to reap mercy or judgment. If you give love, you'll reap love. But notice the verse, Luke 6, 38. It says, give and it will be given back to you. See, you can decide what your it is. If you give money, it will be money. And there's nothing wrong with that because you need some money to do what you need to do for God. Right? All right. So if we give, it will be given back to us. But then Jesus takes it further. He takes it further in uh, Galatians 6, 7, right? He says, whatever. Can you say that? Say whatever. Whatever you sow, God will not be mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Whatever you sow is what you will reap. He's taking the lid off of it. And then, of course, 2 Corinthians 9 we see right in there that the offering is given that seed, time, and harvest power, right? It says that if you give a little, you'll get a little. If you give much, you'll get much. All right, now we've heard these scriptures, right? We've heard these so much that maybe we've gone a little bit numb to hearing it. We let it go in one ear and out the other. And what's sad about this is God is making this power available to us. He says, this is my word. Seed time and harvest will never cease. If you give, it will be given back to you. It's going to come back 30, 60, 100 fold. In accordance to what you sow, it will be measured back to you. And we go, well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. He will, right? All right, let's try and see it, right? My whole, my whole thing tonight was to have you see it. Let's get a little congregation participation. Ready? All right. I have a. What is this? Tomatoes. What is this? Corn. Okay. 
everyone is wrong. This is not tomatoes. And this is not corn. This is a picture of a tomato. And this is a picture of corn. See, aren't you tired of just having a picture of prosperity? Oh my God. See, we come to church and we see the picture. We take the picture home and we try to eat the picture. And we're not sustained. Because we just have a picture of it. Aren't you tired of just having the picture of the blessing? All right, let me help you out. This is a tomato. Not a picture. Beautiful, right? Hey, this is corn. Right? So how do we get from the picture to the product? How do you get from being broke, busted, and disgusted, and distrusted, to a place where you have more than enough? How? By sowing the seed. Let's look at some seed. These are real seeds. Okay. We've got a corn seed here. We've got a corn seed here. This is not one of my baby teeth. It, it's a corn. Okay. Now, if you sow this one seed, it will bring forth a plant that has two of these on it, two ears. Each of these ears has, on average, 750 seeds on it. So that's one seed sown that produces 1,500 more seeds. Every seed has got the power to multiply. Are you seeing this? Now, if we sow all 1,500 of those seeds, it comes out to 2.2 million. Just, with, just by receiving it back and sowing it again. Oh, my goodness. How can it be? See, the word of God there in Mark 4, it says a man it, that, that he doesn't know, but a man goes and sows the seed. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He goes to sleep. And that begins to grow. It's a supernatural thing. It's a supernatural thing that goes back to the third day of creation where God spoke and said, you are corn, you will always be corn. And from that day forward, some of it grew and somebody planted it. Somebody ate some of it and they planted it and they ate it and they planted it and they planted it and they ate it and they planted it all the way until now we have corn still. Isn't it nice that people thought about us a thousand years ago and, and sowed some seed? Are you seeing the power of this? Okay, okay, okay. So what do we need if we're going to sow seed? Soil. This is going to be our soil cup. All right. Are you ready? You got to have soil to sow seed. You have to have that, all right? A little science lesson. We're all learning here. The fate of humanity depends on us understanding this. All right, you ready? We're going to sow the seed. Are you ready? Here we go. How many of you think we're going to get a harvest? See, just bringing your seed close to the kingdom is not going to get a harvest. Some of us are coming and going, but we're not sowing, so we're still struggling. 
Oh, my goodness. If we just, are you seeing this? Oh, wait a minute. Y'all know better than me, right? Seeing is believing, right? So let's put this corn right here. We'll put the picture right here. How many of you think we're going to get a harvest now? Oh, you of little faith. No, no, of course not, right? What about speaking to it? Are you ready? Let's speak to it. See, God gives us this simple thing, as simple as it can be, but we have somehow complicated it. We've made it something that we could never fully understand. But God says, if you sow seed, you're going to get a harvest. Are you seeing the clarity of it? But we've got so far removed from this that we think maybe, we, maybe, maybe we'll get a harvest, maybe we won't. How many of you believe if we sow this seed, it says on the back here, 75 days to harvest. How many of you believe if we sow this seed, in 75 days we'll get a harvest? Many people, okay. This is brought to us by Burpee. How many of you have ever met Mr. or Mrs. Burpee? Nobody's met him, but we believe him because he wrote on a bag that we'll have a harvest in 75 days. Yet we have the word of God that says as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. And we say maybe he will, maybe he won't. No, he will. Are you still here? It's all through the book. It's all through the book. I'm going to leave the seeds for a minute. We're going to get back to the Bible. Let me just show you, we got time, are we okay? Show you just a couple stories real quick where we have, we're familiar with these Bible stories and we have read right over them and we've neglected the seed time and harvest principle that's being put out there. And instead we look for kind of the low hanging fruit that we can just take the picture home and then we can be mad at God that we didn't have a harvest even though we didn't sow a seed. Okay, here's an example. In uh, 1 Kings 18, this is when Elijah ends the three-and-a-half-year drought. Three-and-a-half-year drought, there's no water, okay? There's no rain. Everything is dusty and dirty. People aren't doing dishes, probably not brushing their teeth. It's a smelly time to be alive. It's in this, it's in this situation, or at the end of this situation, that Elijah rises up and says... No more. Israel, how long are you going to go back and forth between Baal and between God, Jehovah? Today we'll decide. He says, we're going to have a showdown. So he says, prophets of Baal, you come down. And you guys are going to set up an altar. You're going to put an ox on it. You're going to call out to Baal. If Baal receives that offering in fire, then we're all going to worship Baal. He says, if that doesn't happen, I'm going to do the same thing over here. So the prophets of Baal say, okay, that sounds like a plan. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Now I'm getting distracted. So they set up the altar. They put the ox on it. They start crying out. Baal, receive this offering. Receive this offering. Nothing happens. And Elijah starts saying, maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's in the bathroom. He's trash talking. So trash talk is biblical. Okay. <laughs> They're crying out and nothing happens. Right? Elijah says, okay, it's my turn. Now, Elijah does something different. 1 Kings 18, it's about the 30-second verse. He makes, he makes the altar, and it says that he cuts a trench. You read it in the King James. It says that he put a trench around 
the altar as much as would measure, it was two measures of seed. That's an interesting thing that they would just include because we don't use that measures of seed unless we're dealing with seed. God didn't say, I want you to make the Ark of the Covenant 18 measures of seed long and 24 measures of seed wide. No, but here it says that they've dug a trench that measures two seed, measure, two measures of seed. Interesting, right? Then he takes 12 barrels of water, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, pours it on top of that offering, on top of that ox, on top of that wood. Then he calls out to God, God, receive this offering. Fire comes from heaven. The Bible says that fire consumes the offering and even laps up that water. Then Elijah kills the prophets of Baal. And then he turns to his helper and he says, hey, go, go look for rain because I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And he went to go look and there was not a cloud in the sky, right? You remember the story? He had to go seven times before he found a cloud the size of a man's hand. So what was the sound that he heard? Because he said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And I heard the sound of the abundance of rain this afternoon in the hotel. Thunder and lightning. But this wasn't thunder because there were no clouds. What was the sound that he heard? Oh, my goodness. Y'all. It was his own voice saying it's going to rain. <laughs> because he had seed in the ground. The fruit was going to abound to his account. He said there's rain on the way. Oh, my goodness. Rain starts pouring. Are you catching this? Rain comes down. The three-and-a-half-year drought is broke. Now, I always wondered about this water. I said, what's going on with this water? People say, well, that was to make it harder for God. I thought, what? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> or they would say, that was so that there could be no trickery. They couldn't throw any match in or anything like that. That doesn't make sense. And often people would tell me the moral of the story is have no false gods. Amen. We should have no false gods. The moral of the story is, you know, pray hard, have faith, maybe trash talk a little. But the truth that ignited that moment was that he put water in and he received the rain because he sowed what he wanted to receive. Because as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. And if you give, it will be given back to you. Are you still here? Whatever you sow is what you will reap. It's all through the book. Okay, let's back up a chapter to 1 Kings 17. I'm going to be done soon. I'm having fun, though. Okay, 1 Kings 17. This is during that drought. And there's a widow in Zarephath. She's down to her last meal. Right? She's down to her last meal, and here comes Elijah, the man of God. Shows up and he says, hey, could I, have a, could I have something to drink? She says, okay, I'll get you some water. Then he says, can you make me a little cake? Now watch how technical she gets. She says, I don't have any cake. All I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. This is such a picture of people at offering time. <laughs> what do flour and, and oil make? They make cake. But here she is, she goes, can I have some cake? I don't have any cake. I only have some flour and some oil. How many times has God said, I want you to give $5,000, $10,000? God, I don't have that money. You know I don't have any of that. 
Well, I know that you have this much on your paycheck this week, and then at the end of the month you'll have this much, and if you put all these things together, you would have that amount that he said. Ooh, it's getting quiet. It must be hitting home. Your lack of amens gives you all away. <laughs> Are you still here? Sometimes we get so technical with God when he asks us to sow something. We're like, oh, God, I don't have that. But God says, look at all these things that you have around you that you could turn into that offering. You could sell this thing or that thing. You could put those paychecks together. And keep in mind, when God's asking for the seed, he's got a picture of the harvest coming to your life. We get so focused on letting go of that little bit. It's a deception from the enemy. Because God's saying, why wouldn't you sow? Why wouldn't you sow when there's harvest on the way? There's going to be more than enough. Now watch this. Elijah says this. Elijah says, okay, you, you have flour and oil. Make me a cake. But she says this before he says that. Sorry. She says, all I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And she's got big plans. She says, me and my son are going to eat it and die. <laughs> so she's got big plans for her cake. But what Elijah says is, I want you to make me the cake, bring it to me first, then go do what you've said. Then you can go have your big plans. See, here's the thing. We get big plans for our money. I'm going on vacation. We're saving up for the new house. We're going to get a new car. I'm going I'm to go to college next year. I'm putting all these things together. Then we come to church. God stirs in our heart. He wants us to give the cake. And the first thing we say is, well, there goes the vacation, there goes the house. And just like that, you have just canceled your harvest. It's not God's intention to take it from you. He says, bring it to me first and then go do what you've said. Because if you bring it to God, there's going to be more than enough for the vacation, for the house, for the education. It's all there. Are you catching it? So she makes the cake. She brings it to him, and from that day forward, that cake and that oil, right, the oil and the flour did not run dry. Now, why is that? People say, well, God takes care of widows and orphans. Well, sure he does, but Jesus said that there were many widows in Zarephath, but only one that God provided for. Why? Because as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. And if you give, it will be given back to you. Oh my goodness, are you seeing how everything hinges on this? Are you seeing the magnificent opportunity that God makes available to us? Week after week, we have opportunities. But if we just get into a flow where we say, well, I do automatic giving so I can tune out during that time. If we, if we have that kind of attitude towards what we're presenting to God, do you think God's getting excited about our offerings? If it's not exciting to you, why would it be exciting to God? Right? See, if you sow what you don't need, you're going to reap what you can't use. I'll say it again. If you sow continually sowing what you don't need, you are going to reap what you cannot use. And that's where a lot of us are living, where we're just, we're, we're giving, but we're just at this level and there's a lid on what we're doing. And we're not having that breakthrough harvest. We keep hearing about other people having it, but we haven't had it yet. Now, that harvest can still be on the way, okay? Because this was the other part of the story that my grandpa shared about having that huge harvest. 
during COVID, you got to understand, during COVID, my grandfather's a traveling minister. During COVID, churches are closed. He is not traveling. Now, many churches were open. Many churches are online. But he was not, he was not out working. But he continued to give at the same level as he did before. So here he is saying, God, I'm still sowing. I'm still sowing. God, I'm still giving obediently. God, I'll give this here. I'll give that there. And then God brings, catches all of that up in one, in one swoop. And if he did it for him, he'll do it for you, right? All right. Okay, I'm going to land the plane. Are you all all right? Have you learned anything? It's been my desire to teach you uh, to see this differently. Because if we can see it, truly, we can have it. Or let me say it like this. If you can't see it, you can't have it. That's probably a better way to say it. If you can't see it, you can't have it. So part of us seeing this today, I want you to see seed time and harvest in a different way. And I want you to tap into the anointing of this house. Because there's something powerful that's here. Oh, my goodness. I'll show you. I got another scripture, y'all, but I think it might stress you out. I think it might stress you out. I'm going to do it, okay? All right, let's look at Proverbs. I didn't give you all this one. Uh, Proverbs, let me look at it here. 11, verse 24. Proverbs eleven twenty-four. In the New King James, it says this. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Now, whenever we read that, we often think we're hearing a story about a person who gave and a person who didn't give. But that's not what it says. Both of these people gave. It said one scatters and increases. The other one withheld more than what was right. And that tended to poverty. See, traveling with my grandpa, I've had people ask me all kinds of strange questions. One of the questions I get asked is, can you, can you go into poverty through giving? And I would always say, no, absolutely not. But then I read this verse. That you know what? I guess you can get on the road to poverty, but not by giving too much. By not giving enough. By not giving in accordance to what God has directed you to give. Not about the amount. It's about what God has directed you to give. Are you still here? We can, and this is what's dangerous about setting up our offering, the set it and forget it. We set up our offering now we're not attached to it. We're not in that moment. And now the economy's going like this or going like this, going like this. And our offering's staying the same. We haven't changed it for two or three years. What? It takes time to ask God, God, what do you want me to do with this offering? God, I'm giving my tithe. What do you want me to do with the offering? How much do you want me to give in this? Because seed time and harvest and tithes and offerings... This is God's way of getting us from one side, one side of the river, so to speak, to the other side. How do we get from where we are to where we want to be? By getting in the boat that God has given us. And he's given us this boat of tithes and offerings. But here's what a lot of people do. We don't want to get in the boat. Instead, we want to walk on water every month. <laughs> we, God, please, God, bring the miracle money in. 
Here's the thing. God might do that, but Jesus only walked on water once. The rest of the time, Jesus got in the boat. <laughs> if, if we're going to move into the fullness God has made available to us, we're not going to do it by walking on water every month. We need to get in the boat that he's made available to us. Get in the tithes and offerings and letting God direct you in that giving. Are you seeing it? Praise God. All right, here's what I want to do. I'm going to close. I think you're full. You look like you're full. Are you blessed? Let me show you one more thing on here. I'm preaching from the back of the seeds. There, on the back of here, there is a color map. Okay? This color map tells you when to sow. So if we are in Florida and we want to sow tomatoes, we need to sow it in March, in March through May or July through August. So if you, want to have, if you want to have tomatoes, you've got to sow according to the season. So catch this. In the natural, in the natural your seed has to wait on the right season. But in the kingdom, your seed determines your next season. Oh, yeah. One more time. In the natural, your seed has to wait on the right season. But in the kingdom, your seed determines your next season. It determines that right season. Goodness gracious. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you.